Ephesians chapter 6. Of course, we've been turning to that chapter now for, for several weeks. Been speaking about the matter of spiritual warfare. And we're in it, whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not. That's just a matter of fact. We are in a spiritual warfare. I've spent the last nine messages speaking about that subject. And uh, today we're going to come down to the final message on the subject. That's not because that's all there is to say about it, because there is so much more that I could say. But for this particular series... We're going to conclude the study, uh, I think. I better preface that because the Lord has a way of saying no. Uh, I've got something different next week. But uh, that was the plan. And we come down to this very last message speaking about the subject of prayer. I had no idea she was going to sing that. I, I don't remember ever even hearing that song uh, but uh, it certainly fits. And this is by far and away the most difficult message in all of this series. Now, it seems like it would be the most simple message, just, uh, you know, the subject of prayer. It's all cut and dried and very simple. But I say that because there's so much that can be said about it. I remember in uh, preaching a a series on the pattern prayer, and, and that took eight messages just to go through that. I say the pattern prayer because that's what most people call the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually a pattern for us to go by. Last uh, time I preached a series of messages on the subject of prayer, and it was 18 messages in a row on the subject of prayer. There could have been more, but there was 18. So whenever I think about trying to wrap up this series on spiritual warfare, it's, it's difficult to know what do, you, what do you say, what do you leave out? And I think the best thing to do is keep it in the context here of what we're talking about. Because we could talk about, you know, hindrances to prayer and uh, a lot of different things. But here we see in chapter number 6, after... Paul reminding us in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, and put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's what we've been talking about. But notice verse number 18. We've mentioned all of these different pieces of the armor, but notice what he tells us in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So as Paul closes out the message on standing against the wiles of the devil, I was just thinking yesterday about uh, the subject, the battle for your mind. And we'll talk about that in some other message. But there's a war raging, and a lot of people aren't aren't even aware of it that's going on in your mind. And sometimes we look back and we ask ourselves, why did I do this or why did I do that? Why did I, you know, uh, suppose that would, you know, be wrong or right or whatever it is? And that's because there's a battle going on in our mind and we don't have the sense to sort things out always ourselves. 
we need divine guidance. We're to, we're to trust the Lord in, in all that we do. Lean not to your own understanding. Amen? That's what Solomon said. That always ends up getting us in trouble. So all of these articles of armor that he's mentioned, each and every one of them are important. You can't do without any of them, or you're going to end up getting hurt in the fray one way or another. But none of these can take the place of prayer. You can put on all of the pieces of armor, as it were, or if you could, I should say, without prayer, it would all be ineffective. As a young Christian, one of the first books that I read was by E.M. Bounds, The Purpose of Prayer. I've often alluded to this, and yet another little book then called The Power of Prayer. Now it's all in one single volume, and uh, it, it just changed my mind about prayer. You always think of prayer as that formalistic little prayer, you know, at the beginning to the end of the service, or, you know, now lay me down to sleep with the kids, or whatever it is, and but boy, whenever we really stop and analyze what prayer is all about. I preached another series of messages on the prayers of Paul. Have you ever thought about all of the different prayers that you find in his epistles there? It's a rich gold mine of truth in those prayers. But the thing that really helped me more than anything, I think, is the fact the church I was saved in had a Sunday night prayer meeting always before the Sunday evening service. Always. I was a brand new Christian. I wanted to go to everything there was. And the pastor announced that he had a prayer meeting, you know, and I think it was 30, 45 minutes before the service. I went there. I didn't know what to expect. All of those other people had been saved for a long time. And being in that room with those men, listening to them pray, touched my heart beyond anything that I can explain. In fact, when I preached my very first sermon, be almost 57 years ago, I preached on the subject of prayer because I realized there was no way I could live the Christian life that God required without prayer. And neither can you. We're going to fail if we fail to pray. Look at verse 10 again, because this reveals the need of prayer. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And he's speaking here about the warfare that we're in. And he says, stand strong, stand, don't give in, don't run, stand your ground. This is explaining why it's needed. And I, I'm convinced that the average person really doesn't take prayer as serious as they should. A lot of people say their prayers without ever praying. You know, they say, well, I pray every morning or I pray every night, but do you ever really pray? You say your prayers. We can mouth the words and yet not, not really and truly pray. And the reason folks don't do that is because they don't realize the great struggle that we're involved in. They don't realize the seriousness of the conflict that we're in. Every single person here has a target on your back and the devil to do anything he can to deceive you and destroy you. 
against, notice, against principalities, powers, against the rulers of wickedness in high places, the darkness of this world. Now this is talking about spiritual powers. Remember the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world. He's the prince of the power of what? The air. That's the atmosphere. And God in his divine wisdom has allowed him to to continue to exist. For the time being, the battle's already been fought and won. It's over. But for the time being, this is the way it is. And every person is involved in this spiritual warfare. Now, you can get in a spat with somebody else and you might, you might win the argument. You might get in a fight with someone else and you might win the fray. You know, you, you come out on top. But while I'm telling you, well, you've never faced an enemy like the one that you're facing after you get saved. When you receive Christ as your Savior, all of a sudden, it's like, what happened? We reason in our mind, you know, if I get saved, and most of the time we get saved during a time of desperation. Isn't that true? You say, well, it wasn't that way for me. Everything was going fine for me, really? You're a dirty, rotten, hell-bound, good-for-nothing sinner deserving of hell, and you say you wasn't in a, a time of desperation? When I talk about desperation, I'm not talking about having cancer necessarily, although that, that would be. I'm not talking about having a heart attack. I'm not talking about your wife or your husband leaving you. Those are times of desperation. But the most desperate you'll ever find yourself is that moment that you realize that you are a sinner and God is justified in sending you to a devil's hell for all of eternity. He has the right to do that. In fact, he has the obligation to do that because he is a holy God and a just God and it must happen. The devil is out to deceive you. Over in 2 Corinthians in chapter number 10, verse 3, says, For though we war in the flesh, that is, we're in these bodies and we're involved in the conflict, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is why we need to pray, because I'm telling you, you and I cannot figure it all out. We are contending with satanic forces every day. It's real. Demon possession, satanic, all that stuff is real. Oh, I know they make these silly movies about it and they think they've got it all figured out and they don't know anything about it. But it is real. So many times we, we wonder, well, what happened to so-and-so? Well, what happened is they did not recognize the fact that their imagination, their mind was being manipulated by Satan himself and they make, make these choices in life that ends up ruining them. You and I are not fit to contend with those spiritual forces. 
I've heard preachers get up and boast about, you know, telling the devil where to go and what to do and rebuking the devil, da, da, da. You don't have any power over the devil whatsoever. The only power, the only power that you have available to you is God's power. That's it. Without him, we're all losers. And it seems like sometimes the harder that we try, the more that we fail. And that's because Satan is at work constantly and without prayer. We don't have any hope of prevailing at all. So the need of prayer is very obvious. But notice the nature of prayer. Whenever Paul begins to enumerate here the things in regards to prayer the first thing we notice is that we're to pray in all ways he says with all prayer and supplication with all prayer that's a, that particular word there simply means a request it's speaking about prayer in general there's at least five things in regards to prayer with all prayer. And some of you are just thinking about one thing. You know what it is? I need something. I want something. I'm going to ask God to give it to me. But that's only one aspect. Whenever we think about prayer, there's the matter of adoration. Now that's what worship is all about. In the pattern prayers, our Father, right? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There is an adoration, there's thanksgiving, there's confession, there's petition where we're asking God for something. There's intercession where we're asking God for something for other people, praying for them. So that's the general prayer, but notice he doesn't end there. He says, with all prayer and supplication. So that all prayer, that would include all five of those things I just mentioned. But now he says, in all supplication, this is always with an emphasis upon need. Supplication has to do with a strong praying, a desire, an emphasis on something that we need, and it's specific. It's not, it's not like saying, God, uh, bless our church. Now, that's fine. I hope you do pray for the Lord to bless Lakeway Baptist Church. We ought to do that. But if that's all we do, we haven't done enough. We need to be specific in our prayers. It's like, you know, God, God bless all of the missionaries. Well, that's one thing to do that, but we ought to be more specific than that because there's some of them are in a, you know, in, in a desperate state and difficult circumstances. So we're to, we're to pray about things in particular, not just, not just the things that are in general. By the way, isn't that the way you'd want somebody to pray for you? If I mentioned Ricky King a while ago, and we all know what Ricky went through. And in fact, I'm looking at very, I just look around all of the back surgeries Brother John has had, all of the, every one of you had problems. And I, people that I've prayed for because of some problem in your life, and others have prayed for you. And think about going through those things. And that's the way we ought to pray for each other. That's why I always use that phrase. You pray for others like you would want them to pray for you. There are sometimes there will be tears in your eyes and there will be sorrow in your heart and there will be a sense of urgency. 
You're praying specifically for their needs. I, I, I don't just pray, dear God, bless my wife. Now, I do say those words every day. But I'm a whole lot more specific about it than that. And we need to be specific whenever we pray. Notice, in all ways, he says, we're to pray in all ways. But then he says, always. That's in all circumstances. So we cover all of our bases in the manner in which we pray, but in all circumstances. And over in Luke chapter 18, it talks about we ought to pray always. You don't need to be a Greek scholar to figure that out. Always means always. It means we're always to be at prayer. But notice the thought there is amplified by this word when he says, with all perseverance. That, that means to continue. That means to stick to it. Amen. Paul's telling us to, to pray about things that we can't afford to neglect. I look back over my life and I really believe that I fail more when it comes to the matter of prayer than, than in any other way. It's not that I fail to have a time of prayer. I don't mean that, but I fail to, to really pray as I ought. It, for some reason or another, we, all of a sudden we find ourselves just mouthing the words and our heart seems cold and indifferent and, and callous. We say all of the right words, but there's something missing. Sometimes you get to feel, why am I doing this? What good does it do? He's telling us to pray always with all perseverance. Don't give up. Satan is watching for that period of prayerlessness in your life. Those times whenever something horrible, terrible has happened to your family. And Satan whispers into your ear. Where was your God then? Where's your God now when you really need Him? And you wouldn't come out and say something derogatory about your Heavenly Father, but sometimes you get so distraught, it's like, I don't even want to pray. Boy, Satan's watching for that moment. And he's going to launch a, uh, an attack. So we're to pray, notice, in all ways, in all circumstances, and notice a part of those circumstances here, he says, with all perseverance in the Spirit. Now, whatever else that might mean to you, it implies that we are to pray in accordance to God's will. In the Spirit. Look over in Romans chapter number 8 for just a moment. Many of you know exactly what this verse says. Romans chapter 8. Verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Aren't you glad? Where would we be without His help? The Spirit helpeth with our infirmities. For we know, get this, we think we've got it all figured out. And notice what Paul says, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. And <laughs> we don't. Oh, we, we think this is logical. This is the way it ought to be. It's the way it used to be. We've got to get back to that or whatever. 
We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. In other words, He steps in and takes over when you don't know what to do. You don't know what to ask for. You don't know what to say. Notice the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For He searcheth the hearts and knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We talk about, you know, being led by the Spirit of God, and certainly we must be. And when it comes to this matter of prayer, if we're not praying in the Spirit, we're just whistling Dixie. Does no good whatsoever. The old-timers used to use a phrase, and then they, they stopped using it because some folks like the, the Free Will Baptists and others believe that in order to be saved, you've got to pray through. That, that, and they just get to the altar, they just agonize in prayer and pray and pray for maybe an hour, however long, until finally they get a breakthrough, and, they, and that's the way they say you get saved. Well, I don't read that anywhere in the Bible. My Bible tells me, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we're saved the moment we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I often said, I'll never forget the day I was saved. The pastor, and he knew that I was, certainly I was under conviction. I was standing there gripping the back of the pew in front of me. Now, this isn't good theology, but it, but it worked. He made a statement. He said, he said, you know, I, Satan will do whatever he can to keep you from trusting Christ today. But he said, I'll tell you, if you'll take that first step to receiving him, the Lord will help you come the rest of the way. And I thought, I'm a, I'm a big man. I can do that. And I took that step. I came down the aisle and a deacon by the name of Ted Mitchell met me there. Said, what are you coming for? I'm coming. Said, I'm coming to trust Christ as my Savior. I said, I, I've received Christ as my Savior. He said, well, what did you say? I didn't say anything out loud. I got down on my knees and thanked God for saving my soul. You see, the the plan of salvation is so simple because it's not really a plan, it's a man. It's, it's our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've said all of that to say this. There is a sense in which we need to pray through because sometimes our mind is so cluttered up with all of the things of this world. We are so distracted that we try to pray and we can't even think straight. And we need a time to just settle down a time to be in our prayer closet, as it were, and to get in a quiet place and, and to really let the Spirit of God work with our heart and, and use the Word of God to show us the will of God. That's what it's all about. And then he speaks about the necessity for prayer. Look at, notice the words here, the last words of our text. For all... Get this, for all saints. Whether you realize it or not, there are others that are in need of your prayer. 
people right here today that need your prayer. They're, they're probably not going to come to you and tap you on the shoulder and say, look, I'm really going through a difficult time right now. Would you pray for me? And you know, a lot of times they, they, they don't need to do that because a lot of times it's obvious that people are in need of prayer. And we have an obligation to pray for them. Listen to what Paul said over in 1 Timothy 2, 1. I exhort therefore that first of all supplication prayers, intercessions, and giving the thanks be made for all men. You see, we have an obligation to pray for one another. Specifically, when you recognize the need in someone's life, an obligation to, to pray for them. The only reason that I have Facebook is just one reason. And that's so I can put something on there that gets the Word of God on there because of all of the other puke and garbage that's on there. And whether you realize it or not, people think they're really doing something. They hit that like, that love button. They make a comment on certain people. And there are other people going through great difficulties and you think they don't know you just, you just really went to town some real wonderful remarks about someone and they have a horrible difficulty that they're going through. You see how the devil can use something so simple as that to convince people that they don't care about me? Boy, it's quiet, isn't it? I'm telling you the truth, and if you'll be honest, you know it, because when you're in a desperate situation, you expect Facebook to light up with everybody under the sun saying, praying for you, praying for you, love you, praying for you, right? When you recognize a need, whether you put it on Facebook or not, that's immaterial. Well, it's really not because it has a way of offending people. But when you recognize a need, it might be for the person, by the way, that you don't like you, you or you, let me put it differently, they don't, you know they don't like you. You'd like to like them, but they don't like you. And in your mind, they are against you. They've done something that you really don't even like. I don't know about you, but my Bible says we're to pray for our enemies and those who despitefully use us. My Bible tells me, Paul said, why don't you let yourself be defrauded? That is cheated. Let it happen. Well, you'll spend the rest of your life bitter and complaining are you going to drag down the, the church because of the fact that you want it to be known you don't like somebody? And that somebody is someone that you ought to be praying for. Paul understood personally. I remember as a young preacher, I'd do almost anything to keep from, to keep from asking the church to pray for me. 
I, I, I mean, I'm the pastor. I'm, I'm supposed to have it all together. I'm supposed to be spiritually minded. I'm supposed to be tough. Remember the first church I started the first time in my life? I, I, I won't take time to describe all of the details, but I had a meltdown in, in my living room with my wife. I just began to shake uncontrollably. I, my, my nerve, and I wasn't that kind of a person, by the way. But the tension was so real and the struggle was so great and the time in the history of that church was so crucial that, well, if I ever needed somebody to pray for me, it was then. But I was too proud to ask the church Pray for me. I really need prayer. But you see, Paul had more sense than I do. Look at, look at verse number 19. He said, notice, pray for all saints and for me. That utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul recognized that he needed prayers and he was humbled enough to ask people to pray for him. He's not asking people to pray that I'll prosper greatly. He's not saying, you know, pray that I'll never be tormented again or beaten again or anything. You know, pray for me. I, I, he says, I am an ambassador in bonds and that he wanted to speak the word of God boldly. That's that's the spiritual reason that he wanted prayer. A lot of times we think, you know, that we can just ignore particular responsibilities that we have and it's not any really big deal. Let me tell you, when we ignore prayer, prayerlessness is a sin. Remember whenever Israel said, no, we want a king, we, we want to be like those other nations. It wasn't satisfied with God ruling over them. We won't be like the other nations. Be careful what you ask for, by the way. God said, okay. Sam, give him a king. And I don't know about you, but knowing, looking back and knowing history, I think Samuel, just the human side of him might have thought, well, I'll do it, but I'll, I'm not praying for him. He's not supposed to be there, you know. And he said, God forbid that I cease to pray for you. God forbid that we cease to pray one for another. So many times we want so much from God without doing the will of God. Think about all that Job went through. Wow. I never could understand my mom talking to a neighbor one day. I didn't know anything. We didn't go to church. We didn't read the Bible or anything. But they were talking about something, and I guess the woman asked her what her favorite book of the Bible was. She said, the book of Job. I never did understand that till I read it. Way after I got saved and really studied the book of Job, and I understood it then. 
Seems like everything was just totally out of control, right? That's the picture you get. Here is a righteous man, the most righteous man at that time in the world. God said so. And boy, he just lost everything. But in the end, when he prayed for his enemies, God gave him twice as much as he ever had before. He doubled what he had before because he was willing to even pray for his enemies. And let me tell you, as a church, with pastors that are imperfect, with people that are imperfect, we're going to go through times of, of danger. We're going to go through times that, that Satan's going to try to stop all of this stuff that's been happening to people getting saved and baptized every week. He's going to try to stop that. I'm telling you right now, if we, if we don't bathe this church in, in prayer, that's our, that's our, that's our lifeboat. The thing that will keep us going when Satan's trying to get everything to fall apart. The Bible talks about Jacob wrestling with the Lord. He said, Lord, I'll not let you go except thou bless me. Prayer is the means whereby that we involve God with our needs. And when God gets involved in our needs, there's great things that can happen then. And it doesn't matter where you are, by the way. Moses was in the wilderness, way out there in the wilderness. And God heard his prayer. Here's old Daniel. He's down in the lion's den. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be in the lion's den. I wouldn't want to be in the fiery furnace where the others were. But God was there. Jonah was in the belly of the whale, but God was there. Hezekiah was on his sickbed, but God was there. Jarius was out in the street, and God heard his prayer. Solomon was in the temple, and he prayed, and the glory of God filled the temple. Paul was in jail, and Peter was in prison. The dying thief was on the cross. Boy, things ever looked hopeless. It must have looked hopeless to him. And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. God makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. Wherever you are and whatever you need. Abraham prayed for Lot. In fact, he was praying for the entire place that God would spare the city. Jacob wrestled with the Lord. Moses called on the Lord. And what happened? Parted the Red Sea. Solomon prayed for wisdom. And God gave him wisdom. Elijah prayed. And God sent fire down from heaven. Hezekiah prayed. And God extended his life. You ever stop and think about that prayer might extend your life? It Well, it did with him. It, it could with you. It could with me. That early church prayed and what happened? Whew, the place was shaken. The old publican prayed. Let me stop a minute. 
all through this, we've bas- I've basically been speaking about Christians being involved in a spiritual warfare and the importance of prayer in their life. Without prayer, they're going to fail. I'm going to fail. And there's no doubt about it. There's no hope of success without prayer. But if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, I want to remind you that there's the Pharisee and the publican story. The old Pharisee looked down on the man and said, I, I thank you, God. I'm not like that man. I, you know, I don't do this. I, he's horrible. He's terrible. And that old publican just said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he was saved. If you're here today and you've never been saved, the only prayer you need to make, you pray all you want about everything you want. You can't expect God to answer any of your prayers as long as you're living in unbelief and rebellion against God. But if you, from the depths of your heart, through faith, say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, save me for Jesus' sake, I promise you He will. More important than that is He promised you He will. I can make all these promises, it doesn't matter. But God promised He will. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, delivered. That could be you today, just as it was me way back yonder. Aren't you glad that you have the power of prayer at your disposal as Christians? Thank God for that. Because we'll never face an enemy that God can't defeat. Let's pray. I was talking about those early church prayer meetings and in the churches that I pastored after that, we always had an evening prayer time one for men one for women we did here for several years over on Bender Road I wish to God that somebody would say now listen let me preface this I understand that some people can't be to everything I understand that maybe the choir's going on maybe you're sick there are reasons don't judge others but I would to God that somebody would say I, whether anybody else does it or not, I'm going, I'm going to meet at 5.30 before the service starts on Sunday night in such and such room and, and, and pray for the... Thank God on Wednesday nights we, we've got prayer, right? 6.30? Is it 6? 6 o'clock. The ladies' prayer meeting. Let's do that. It, listen, it'll make a difference in you, it'll make a difference in the church and all the great things that God wants to do. Let's all stand together, Brother David, if you'll come. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, I, I hope you will this morning. If you're here today and for some reason or another you've just well, you've just neglected your prayer life. 
But this would be a good day to just get on your knees before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. What would you think of an army that had where the troops are out there in the field and they're cut off from the general and all the leaders? There's no communication. How do you expect to win a war like that? You can't. And when we fail to pray, we cut off the communication with our great commander. And we have to reap the result of that. Maybe today you just want to come and pray for someone. Someone's on your heart. It might be a relative. It might be a neighbor. It, it might be a, one of the church members here. And you, you know maybe what they're going through and what they're struggling with. And you just want to come and pray for them. You can come up here. You can sit down, bow down, whatever. Whatever you do, whatever the position of your body, please pray. While we sing, Brother David.